What's going on, guys? Welcome back to Zoom Disputed Draft Show here. Uh, I'm Evan, and then I'm here with Ryan. We're going to be going through just the quarterbacks today, uh, the top six, and a couple of other guys that we find interesting. So anything you want to say, Ryan, before we get into it? Yeah, super excited. Love scouting quarterbacks. That's literally one of my favorite things to do over the course of the year. So uh, really excited to talk about it. But I mean, there's really no secret, Evan, who's at the top of the quarterback class. It's definitely Trevor Lawrence. So uh, what, what are some of the things that you've noticed when watching Trevor Lawrence? And uh, obviously, we know how great he is. But uh, what are some of the traits that you really like about Lawrence as a prospect? Yeah, I mean, the thing is with Lawrence, I don't even know if we can really talk about him that long because we kind of know everything about him. I think there's the least amount of interest with him. So he has the he obviously has the physical tools. He has the size. He he has the athleticism, he has the arm strength, uh, but he's also the leadership. He's very, he, you like his accuracy a lot. And then like his ability to make plays in a pro style offense, being able to make those anticipatory throws. Those are some things that you see guys coming out of college. I mean, he really is the all around package, uh, you know, and I think, you know, sometimes when guys get like this kind of hype around them, it starts to become too much. But I really think he's the best quarterback prospect we've seen, at least since Andrew Luck. And you could argue he was even better than Andrew Luck. Yeah, at least in terms of the national recognition, I would say that, yeah, I mean, in terms of evaluating quarterback prospects, I think Andrew Luck is kind of like that gold standard, like went to Stanford, super smart. But Lawrence is right there, like you said, like 6'6", 220, like he's got the frame and he's got the ability. And there's really not a whole lot that I can say negative about Lawrence as a prospect. Obviously, he was able to benefit from having great receivers at Clemson, guys like Justin Ross, T. Higgins, Amari Rogers have really helped him out creating separation, but Lawrence's ability to consistently be able to make accurate passes downfield is something that I'm really, really impressed with. He has great pocket mobility, great mobility as well. I, I remember his run in the Fiesta Bowl against Ohio State his sophomore year. It was like a 70-yard run scramble. Yeah. He was making secondary guys miss. Like it, It's just incredible how athletic he is and um, really is that all-around package, like you were saying. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, I think if you had nitpick, because that's what we're going to do. Like you'd have to go pretty deep. So I think you could argue, you know, he didn't, he didn't always look past his first read, but to your point, it was because he had a lot of receivers who would usually beat their guys. You know, when you have like a T Higgins at wide receiver one, you know, he'll usually get open if he's the primary guy. Um, and then the only other thing, maybe again, if we're comparing him just for number one overall pick standards, maybe you could say his accuracy could be a little bit better. Um, I want, he's certainly not inaccurate, but like, you know, Joe, Joe Burrow last year had some of the best ball placement I've ever seen. I don't know if he's that level of a pinpoint passer, but I mean, he really is just com really complete. I mean, the one question I would ask you just to make this a little bit more interesting, cause we know where he's going to go. We've kind of known this for a while. What do you think the chances are that Trevor Lawrence is not the best quarterback? He's the best prospect, but what are the chances that he does not end up being the best quarterback from this class yeah no that's a very fair question because obviously he's going to Jacksonville and Jacksonville is not the best organization in the NFL in terms of long-term stability and but, an unproven coach right exactly yeah we'll see how that works out with Urban Meyer there but I think the Jaguars have some pieces that are good obviously you had James Robinson have a good year as undrafted free agent I think DJ Chark and Keelan Cole while they're maybe not wide receiver ones do a nice job at getting open and making some contested catches so I think Lawrence will have some success with Jacksonville but in terms of you know how long could we see before Lawrence wins a Super Bowl, for example? I think that could be some time just because the Jaguars as an organization have not had as much success as some other teams. Yeah, and I think the thing, the whole appeal of Trevor Lawrence's game is that, you know, I think, you know, regarding something pretty crazy that we know, I don't think anyone sees coming, he will be a top 10 to 12 quarterback for his career. The question is, does he have the ability to get into that top five? I think he's the easiest when you talk about the risk and reward because there's not much risk and he's going to be very good. And so like, I'd probably say, 
I don't know. Like, you know, there were a lot of other high upside guys in the class that we're going to get to. Um, and so I think there is a situation where he doesn't end up being the best quarterback, but I just think it's so much riskier when you have this prospect available and you pass on him. If that doesn't work, that's something you could lose your job over. Yeah, totally wow. agree. Love that Lawrence has had a lot of success in the national stakes too, because I feel like some of the other quarterbacks that we'll get into in a little bit, they haven't had that ability to play mm-hmm. on a national stage in front of, uh, you know, a college football playoff crowd. And Lawrence has done that all three years that he was at Clemson. So, mm-hmm. um, and played well, obviously his freshman year capturing that national title. So um, really not much negative to say about Trevor Lawrence. He really is that elite of a prospect, no doubt. Yeah. And so then the next guy we talked about playing in the playoffs. So we have Justin Fields. Um, we're just kind of going and just like, order of where it would probably be at the beginning of the season. I know Zach Wilson has gained some momentum in the QB two discussion, but we're just going to keep going with Justin Fields. So talk a little bit about what you think about him. Yeah, definitely. Justin Fields, very impressive prospect for me. As you mentioned, I think there's definitely some debate as who is QB two. Is it Zach Wilson? Is it Justin Fields? I feel like those are kind of the next two quarterbacks in that tier right below Lawrence. But for me, when I watch Justin Fields, I see a player that has immense potential, another five-star prospect and recruit coming out of high school ends up going to Georgia for a year sits behind Jake Fromm. Georgia doesn't really know how to use him he has the same amount of rushing attempts as he does passing attempts ends up transferring to Ohio State as a sophomore two-year starter for the Buckeyes incredibly productive player obviously his most notable game being in the college football playoff semifinal this year against Clemson where he threw six touchdowns in a game right after he had injured ribs so really just shows you the character and toughness that you get with Justin Fields but man I am super impressed with him I definitely can acknowledge that Justin Fields is not the most pro ready quarterback. Obviously I just mentioned, he's just really a two year starter at Ohio state. So there's still a lot of things that Fields needs to work out. I would say most notably his processing ability. There's sometimes where he's sitting on reads a little bit long and Ohio state, obviously they have a pretty good offensive line. So he's able to sit back there a little bit longer, but in terms of a prospect, obviously when you're making a draft pick, you're picking for 10, 15 years down the line, especially with a quarterback, you're you're looking for that long-term value. And I think as a prospect, Justin Fields just offers you so much and um, the fact that he was able to play at that big time school I think that is definitely an advantage the fact that he was able to go through some experiences in big 10 championship games in college football playoff semifinals and even the finals this year so um, I definitely like a lot what I see from Justin Fields and definitely buy into the hype that he's a high first round prospect yeah I, I agree with you you know to back to your point you know it's not just the two years as a starter, you know, this year with COVID and especially looking at the big 10 where the season was canceled, then they decided they were going to have a season. Ohio state was very noticeably, you know, this was a huge thing that we talked about with the playoff. You know, they weren't able to play games. They had linemen who had COVID. And so it's hard to know because fields had a very up and down season, which wasn't something we saw from him his sophomore year. We did see a lot more, you know, he had a bad game against Indiana, a bad game against Northwestern, which he did sprain his thumb apparently. So Maybe that's a little different, but it's hard to kind of know what to take away from this season because there are so many other variables involved. So I think that kind of adds to the uncertainty. You know, there were people, Mel Kuyper at one point said um, after the 2020 draft that he thought Fields could go number one um, and he just wasn't able to show enough of that. But I think it was good for him to have that kind of performance in the playoff because it did show everyone, you know, this guy is really, really good. Uh, You know, He's another guy. I think he's probably the most athletic quarterback in this class, I'd say. Um, you know, I think I like the athleticism. That He's accurate. He doesn't turn the ball over. I mean, that alone, you know, even if you take away his arm talent, Tyrod Taylor made a living in the league off of just being athletic and not turning the ball over. Now, Fields is much, much better at football than Tyrod Taylor. But, you know, I think those traits will help him a lot. 
The only thing you say, you talk about, you know, is processing. He's not, doesn't have great pocket awareness. He can sometimes freeze when he sees the blitz. And so those are all things you probably want to see more of. But I think he's a much more, you know, once you get past him, you start talking about Zach Wilson, you start, start talking about Trey Lance. It's, you know, how much of what they did was a product of poor competition. And I think, you know, when you watch Justin Fields, especially when you saw what he did against Clemson, you know that he's capable of doing it against high level competition. Yeah, no doubt about that. I thought you brought up a good point too, when it comes to some of the things that Fields can work on, because um, so for me personally, I was a big Jalen Hurts fan in last year's class. He was my third ranked quarterback. I was a lot higher on Hurts than a lot of other people. And uh, a lot of the criticism against Jalen Hurts was that fact that he was a slow processor and was a beneficiary of some of the product. Um, around him, especially at Alabama and Oklahoma, but I still liked what Hurts had and thought that those were things that he can improve upon as he gets more reps in the NFL. Now, I see similarity with Justin Fields, who I think is a significantly better prospect than Jalen Hurts, a much yeah. more polished passer, and pretty much offers the same amount of mobility. You mentioned that Fields 17 rush rushing touchdowns in his career uh, in college. So I think the, the, the concerns with Fields are all things that he's able to fix through the course of getting more NFL reps. And obviously, he's still a very young player. He's just a true junior. He transferred a year after his freshman year. So um, I think the fact that we've seen enough of Fields at Ohio State, we've seen enough success that he's had that uh, I would definitely be confident in taking him. And uh, I'm definitely a believer in, in Fields' ability and uh, ability to succeed in the NFL. But um, yeah, I think that we, we touched on it earlier that kind of there is definitely that debate between Fields and Zach Wilson. So Evan, I'm interested to hear what are some of the things that you like about Zach Wilson? Man. I'm gaining, dude, Zach Wilson's like a guy that I didn't think I was going to like him very much, but like the more and more I watch, and that's why I think he probably will end up going second overall. I think he's gaining a lot more momentum, but what I, what you love about him. So he's, so we talked about Wilson and Fields. Both of them have the physical traits. Wilson has an incredible arm. He's an accurate passer. He also has a great deep ball, but I think the thing is his ability to play outside of structure. And that's been a trait that has become, I think more and more desirable over the last few years. And to talk about like how Patrick Mahomes has kind of changed like the NFL, not saying that Zach Wilson is as good as Patrick Mahomes, but their ability, his ability to play outside of structure. I think that kind of changes where like Jordan Love is probably a fourth round pick 10 years ago, but because we saw that, you know, that ability to make those kinds of unscripted plays, those things you can't teach, he goes in the first round. When I look at Zach Wilson, I feel like what recent drafts tell us is if you have a guy with that kind of arm talent, the ability to make those plays, those football instincts that you can't teach, you take that and you worry about everything else later. Now he's far from a foolproof prospect. You know, I think one, three years of film, only one year of great film. Mm -hmm. Then you also look at the competition they played. And what I would also add is BYU had an incredible offensive line. But unlike if you have an incredible offensive line in Alabama, BYU didn't face any great front sevens. So from like an offensive line standpoint, he probably wasn't tested as much. He wasn't put under pressure as much as you'd want to see. Um, his accuracy does suffer a little bit under pressure like most players. And so, and also you know, even the ability to make those plays uh, off schedule, you know, have playing worse defenses, it makes that easier to do. So it's a lot of you are putting a lot into a one season sample size against poor competition, but I really like what I see from him. 
Yeah, I really like your analysis there. That's something that is one of my more fun parts to evaluate with quarterbacks because there's different values that quarterbacks can provide to a team because you can get a quarterback like Patrick Mahomes, as you mentioned, who elevates everybody else. Like, you know, Patrick Mahomes is going to bring it, elevate everybody else around him. And then you have other quarterbacks like, say, Kirk Cousins, who if other things around him are going well, that offense can have success. But it's not like Kirk Cousins is necessarily elevating your team to where he's taking it to another level. So that's a good point where you bring up of out of structure. Like, uh, I, I would say there are are some quarterbacks that are way better at doing that. And I definitely see that with Zach Wilson, as you said, I, uh, we, we talked about pocket awareness. I think this trait for Zach Wilson could be as good as anyone in the class. Like I'm a big fan of how calm Zach Wilson looks in the pocket. He always seems to have such a great feel for everything around him. And um, as you said, as well, very accurate passer, definitely willing to take downfield shots over nine yards per attempt in his career at BYU. And um, there's definitely a lot to like, but uh, again, some of your, your points about things that we hold back is that, he really just blew up this year and he threw 33 touchdowns this year coming off years where he threw 12 and 11 as a starter. So I like the fact that he has started and obviously progressed. His best year was his junior year, the most recent one. So that's things that I like for sure. But again, it came in a year where BYU didn't play any power five competition because of the weird scheduling with COVID and whatnot. So um, there is just concern that, well, maybe we haven't seen Zach Wilson play against the most elite competition. And um, obviously that's going to be a knock we have against Trey Lance as well, but it's just the fact that we haven't seen it. So it's something to note and um, be aware of as, as you evaluate Zach Wilson. Yeah. And when talking about, you know, when I look at Zach Wilson, you know, and compare him to even just Justin Fields, I think Zach Wilson, with the exception of Trevor Lawrence, probably has the best chance of being a great quarterback. I think his skills give him a very, very high ceiling. But I think what you would say is Fields is Fields has a much better chance of being just a solid quarterback. I think the bust potential is a lot more it's a lot more likely with a guy like Zach Wilson. And that's why I think it does become an interesting conversation because I, he definitely has like the traits to be a great quarterback, but it is a team willing to take a guy from BYU, a guy who, who was a three-year star, but like we keep saying, you know, really this year was the only film you could look at and say, okay, that's an NFL caliber player and be willing to take him with the second overall pick. Yeah, I agree with that. So we, we, we know that Trevor Lawrence has gone first overall to the Jags. If you had that second pick with the Jets, then Evan, so you see Fields and you see Wilson on the board. You also could take a tackle and, and add more to Sam Darnold. What, what would you be thinking if you were the Jets with the second overall pick? Well, I think I got to go quarterback. I just don't think, you know, Sam Darnold's been there three years. I don't know if he's that good. And even if he is capable of being a good quarterback at this point in time, I don't think it's with the Jets. So Right now, I mean, I'm trending towards Zach Wilson because I think when you're drafting a quarterback second overall, you want to get one who can be great. And looking at, you know, boomer bust prospects over the last few years, there have been some that haven't worked out. But I look at guys like a Patrick Mahomes, like a Justin Herbert, like a Josh Allen. And I look at, you know, guys who have all the physical tools and maybe need some development. But what it also does come down to is how much do you trust your coaching staff? You know, how, because when you look at Patrick Mahomes probably isn't Patrick Mahomes if he doesn't get drafted to an Andy Reid team. I think yeah. he's good regardless. I don't know if like the Bears drafted him at two, John Fox and Matt Nagy get the MVP potential out of him. And so that's probably the biggest question mark. And if you're the Jets, you know, you have a defensive minded co- coach there. How much do you trust, trust th- those guys to develop him? So, I mean, it becomes a little bit of an interesting conversation, but I would take Wilson at two. How about you? 
Yeah, I like that analysis for sure. And uh, I, w- I was definitely high on Sam Darnold when he came out of USC as well. And obviously he has not been able to benefit from quality offensive line or receiver play any of his years with the Jets. So uh, I know when talking with some some friends of mine who are Jets fans, they're like, hey, we would be down to build around Darnold some more, take, say, Penny Sewell. And then our tackles are Mekhi Becton and Penny Sewell for the next 15 years, probably the best tackle duo in the NFL. So there's a mm-hmm. lot of ways that the Jets can kind of sling it there. If it were me, if they were taking a quarterback, for me, it would be Justin Fields just for the reason that I feel like the bus potential is a little bit higher with Zach Wilson. It's just, I don't have have as much confidence that Zach Wilson would lead a team like the Jets, who, uh, again, not the greatest organization. They've had their faults. New head coach, I like the Robert Sala hire for sure, but I just have a little bit more uh, pause and concern with Wilson than I do with Fields. But um, yeah, I mean, that's obviously going to be a highly debated topic um, as we get closer to the draft there. But um, yeah, definitely some other quarterbacks I want to talk about here as well. Obviously, we were talking about uh, weak competition, and I don't think any quarterback in this class represents that more than Trey Lance. So uh, interested to hear about what you have to say with Lance. That's probably one of the the most interesting because when you we talked a little bit about this with Zach Wilson, when you look at guys who are going to be busts, because just what conventional wisdom tells us is that when you have six quarterbacks that are likely to go in the first round, there'll probably be at least one or two that don't end up being very good. I mean, when you're talking about this many. So when you're looking at a bust, it's really a misevaluation on just about everyone's part where like with Mitchell Trubisky, most people thought he was worth the first round pick. We're now seeing he probably wasn't. And you look at in past busts, like what are common themes? What caused them to be misevaluated? And you usually see something like small sample size or playing against poor competition. So Trey Lance is the best of both worlds. He was a one-year starter and he played in the FCS. And so that's kind of what scares you. But again, you know, he has an incredible arm and his running style is also very unique for a quarterback because he's a good athlete, but he's a lot more physical than a lot of other quarterbacks when they take off. Um, And so I think you like a lot of that. He did only throw around 18 to 20 pass attempts a game. And so that gives you even more of a smaller sample size because it wasn't even that he wasn't, didn't play that much. Even when he was playing, he wasn't throwing it that far. And then North Dakota state, I mean, for an FC, they're like the Bama of the FCS where their talent is so much better than every other team there. So it's that, that one is probably more of a project. I don't think you can, I mean, it was a great red shirt freshman season, but I don't know how much you can take from that and be like, you know, that we can, we can take that and he can start right away. Yeah, definitely agree with that. I mean, we were talking about how Justin Fields may even need to be in a spot where he needs a little bit more development. I think Trey Lance may be even a spot where he may need to sit for like two years before he's ready to take over full-time in the NFL. But I'm optimistic with Trey Lance. I mean, when you watch his film back from that freshman year, I mean, there are a lot of special things that he's able to do. You mentioned his mobility, but deep ball accuracy as well. That's one of my favorite traits for quarterbacks. I uh, I mentioned that with Lawrence as well, but Lance is not afraid to just chuck it downfield and he's able to put it in the basket. So there's a lot to like with, with Trey Lance for sure. And I think if he's able to get to a right landing spot, I think um, obviously that's important for any prospect to have success is, is worth the surrounding is around you. But if Lance is able to sit for a year or two behind a veteran quarterback, and then he's able to take over after that, I think there's a lot to like about him as a prospect. Yeah, I, I agree with you. I think he's probably, I think he will end up in the top 10. I mean, and most of, and a lot of the things that you worry about him, it's not a result of that he's not capable of doing it. It's just we haven't seen a lot of it. So, like, you know, he lacks the experience. And so things like locking onto his primary read, well, you know, he hasn't really had to go to multiple reads often, you know. And, you know, even like slow to work through progressions, these are all things that we may have seen improvement on this year, but we just didn't see it. So it's I feel like you pretty much just have to evaluate him as what he was last season. And I think that's a guy who has the physical traits, just maybe a little bit more of a problem. 
project. Uh, I've heard through some people talking about Carolina drafting him. I think that's a good fit. I think Matt Rule's a really, really good coach, and that would be a good, good spot for him. But, I mean, I think you like – pretty much all the tools, you know, the accuracy would be one thing where I'd like to see a little bit more of that. I'd like to see him be able to take over games, which is something you didn't see him do, but it was also kind of what I was saying earlier. You know, he was he never had to, he never had to. It's not that he couldn't, they just were, they didn't need him to throw that much. Yeah, definitely. Very, very unique prospect to evaluate. As you mentioned, just a one-year starter at an FCS level. I mean, his stats are good, 30 touchdowns, one interception really can't get much better than that, but um, yeah, there's definitely a lot of reason that you got to definitely do your background research on Lance as a prospect, find out what he's been doing this past year off, obviously FCS not playing this year um, due to COVID, unfortunately. So um, find out how he's doing there, but um, definitely an intriguing prospect. I'm glad you mentioned Carolina as well. I feel like that would be a cool landing spot. Mm-hmm, for sure. So then next guy on the list, Mac Jones from Alabama. Have any thoughts about him? I personally, I'm definitely a fan of Mac Jones. I mean, um, again, obviously we're talking about a team that, you know, does pretty much anything they can to make sure that their quarterbacks have success. Probably the best receiver core that anyone could ask for in college football that Mac Jones has. But, um, and plus we're talking about an offense that Steve Sarkeesian had a significant portion of RPOs to generate, you know, success, but that is a a good strategy. And Mac, Mac Jones executed it as good as any quarterback has ever done. So he was a more accurate passer than even to a tag of who was picked in the top five last year, Mac Jones, 72% complete percentage I mean that's even hard to do at a high school level so the fact that Mac Jones was able to do that in the SEC definitely shows off his ability I again like the downfield ability with Mac Jones had over 11 yards per attempt uh, in his college career at Alabama so uh, obviously that shows that he was able to throw it downfield again benefiting from some of the great receiver play that they have at Alabama but I mean hey you still need to be able to make the throws so what I see on Mac Jones tape is definitely encouraging but there is definitely that element of context that well yeah everybody around him was also having a lot of success I don't think you can say like he was just a pro like he was merely a product because you even saw his the jump he made from his 2019 season when Tua got injured to this year shows that you know you can't just be another quarterback and be able to win with that team. He did a very good job, but it is looking at, you know, he was really a facilitator at Alabama. You know, he was just giving it to the open guys. He relied on getting those one-on-one matchups and exploiting them. And you had guys like, you know, before he got injured, Jalen Waddle, guys like Devontae Smith and even like Najee Harris out of the backfield guys who could create these great matchups and you know one thing is is that Mac Jones had 600 yards after the catch more than any other quarterback in football um and so I'm, I'm not saying 600 total he had 600 more yards after the catch than this person in second place and so he had a ridiculous amount of help and that would be what it comes down to is how much of what he does do you think could be done at the NFL level because you're not going to have that much like you know, you're not going to have a Heisman winner on a co- an average college defensive back in the at the NFL level. Um, and so it's kind of, can he become more than that game manager? And I think he was more than that. But I think what does probably hurt him a little bit is you look at Tua Tagovailoa and the uncertainty surrounding him. And it was like last year, he was seen as a really good prospect from Alabama. And he didn't even, you know, so far, we still don't really know what he's going to do. And so if you look at a guy like Mac Jones, who's seen as a tier below where Tua Tagovailoa was, people might be a little bit more skeptical with that now. Yeah, very fair point. And I think with Tua, obviously the Dolphins did not have very good receivers. Tua had way better receiving core at Alabama than he did with Miami. So um, I would say it's a little early to, to say that, you know, evaluate Tua on that. But 
Um, I think one area too that Mac Jones differs from the four quarterbacks we talked about before this is his lack of mobility. We said that as a plus for um, Lawrence and Fields and Wilson and Lance, obviously, but Mac Jones, only two career rushing touchdowns at Alabama, obviously uh, only started 11 games, but the other four quarterbacks over 15 rushing touchdowns. So we're just talking about a little bit more limited of a player, not as great ability to extend plays out of structure as we were saying, but um, I definitely like what I see from Mac Jones. I see him as a quarterback that will be picked in the first round, probably more mid to late first round. So maybe teams like New England or San Francisco or Pittsburgh or Indianapolis, those could be some of teams that could look for uh, a quarterback like Mac Jones, who um, have a little bit more structure around him. Maybe um, not all those teams have great receiver cores, but if they're able to add a little bit more help, I could see those as potential landing spots for Jones. Yeah. And I also would say to your point, you know, we talked about, he's not a great athlete, but one of the things that he does have that some of the guys we mentioned earlier don't have is that he's great internal clock. I really like how he moves through his progressions and he has things like that. And those can be difficult to teach at the NFL level. There are some guys who just have a slower internal clock and they can't go through everything as quickly. And so he's a smart football player. He's a hard worker and you did see the improvement from him. But I do think he does need to go to the right place. I think that that's why I would like to see him go later in the first round because I think those teams, those are will be playoff teams drafting. They'll be able to give him more around him, which I do think he certainly needs right now. I think he has right now he's a game manager. That's what that's what he would be in the NFL. But if he has the right coaching staff, he can maybe develop into a little bit more than that. Because if you're taking a quarterback in the first round, you're not just drafting him to be a game manager. Yeah, no doubt about that. All right, I think we can move on from that. Next quarterback on our list is Kyle Trask of Florida. Really had a great year this year, but definitely some concerns with him as a prospect as well. But what are some of your thoughts on Trask? Well, he's a, he's another one that's interesting because we didn't know much about him until this season, and he really burst onto the scene. And he had a, what was a very good season, and he was leading the Heisman race for a lot of the season, just didn't finish as strongly as you would have wanted. Did a great job of utilizing his weapons. You know, we had Kyle Pitts, Ted Tony did a great job with both of those guys. Uh, the, the thing is kind of with Mac Jones, he doesn't have the physical traits that you'd really want from a guy like that. And I, you know, even things like, so he's, it's not that he's not even athletic, like Mac Jones, it's just, he's not a great athlete for a first round pick. Kyle Trask is just slow. And that's not to say that you can't be a good quarterback in the NFL and be slow. But when you look at the guys that have been successful and don't have any pocket mobility, you know, you have to be able to do everything else really well. And so that would be kind of the question with him is, you know, does he do everything else well enough to make up for the fact that just his athleticism is going to limit some of the plays he's capable of making? Yeah, very fair point. Trask obviously just kind of came up midseason last year with Florida and then really had this great year this past year. So I like what I've seen from Kyle Trask. This is another guy that I would definitely take in the first round. Again, it would probably be more of a back half of first round player, but uh, I think there's there's enough to like with Trask as a prospect that kind of offsets his limited mobility. You mentioned the, the good accuracy and the lack of uh, interceptions that he throws, only 1.6% interception percentage. So uh, I definitely am encouraged with what I see from Trask and see that he is a good prospect, but I would say the other quarterbacks that we've talked about before Trask are all guys that I have ranked before him. I think the limited mobility and the fact that he's unfortunately takes a decent amount of sacks as well as a quarterback um, are things that hold me back a little bit. But um, no, I, I think there is definitely enough to like with Trask that I would be willing to take him in the back half of the first round. Yeah, I think I think he's certainly I think that's the last guy who I would say I would be OK with going in the first round. I think when you have a quarterback and you like enough of what he brings to the table to where it would make sense for him to go in the first round, um, I do think. You know, I think when you get to Mac Jones and Kyle Trask, that's when you start getting to the point where you do question, you know, I think those first four 
are very capable of being good starters. Once you get to these two, there are a little bit more question marks around, you know, will they, I don't think they'll start immediately. And if they do, you know, can they be long-term starters and franchise quarterbacks? And so that's probably what you'd need to see more of out of Trask. And so those, those are really the six. So then we also had, we decided to throw in some other quarterbacks just that we found interesting. So the one that I wanted to talk about was Jamie Newman because yeah, it's a really weird one to talk about. So yeah, Ryan, go, fire away. Tell me your thoughts. Yeah, Jamie Newman, really interesting prospect. Obviously, he started his games at Wake Forest, initially had planned to transfer to Georgia, so that got everybody super excited. Oh, we'll see Jamie Newman in an offense where it's a very good SEC team, but then decided to opt out for COVID-related reasons. Was able to go down to Mobile for the Senior Bowl, so that was nice to see him down there. But um, I liked what I saw from Jamie Newman. Definitely don't think he's a first-round pick, but I think he does have good ability um, with the deep ball accuracy, as I've been talking about. Good mobility, not as good as some of the other quarterbacks like Wilson or Fields or Lawrence, but uh, I think Newman is definitely an intriguing prospect. I could see him going on the second day of the draft to a team that is in more of a transition phase um, with their quarterback position, but um, I like what I see with Newman, but I wouldn't say that uh, I would be too, too confident in him being a starting quarterback in the NFL. Yeah, for sure. And I think that's what kind of makes him though a little bit exciting. Like from, cause when you're taking guys outside the first round, you're trying to, trying to get a steal. You're trying to find a guy who maybe could be better than his draft pick indicates. We don't really know where Jamie Newman is. We don't know what he did this past season. The only thing I would say, some of the things that he struggled with would be things like going through his progressions and even, you know, uh, being able to, he would sometimes freeze when he would see the blitz as well. We talked about that with fields earlier. And those are two things that I don't know how much he could have improved on it. If he was not playing football, I don't think you can like be playing, you know, just having guys run at you knowing they're not going to hit you in practice and get so much better. And so those were like some of the noticeable flaws in his game, but you do like, he does, he's a very good athlete. You do like his arm. He does have good deep ball placement as well. And so those are all kind of traits that you like. And you see like you can work with those things and maybe fix, you know, kind of fix or I don't really, you know, at least look for improvement in some of these other areas because the other areas in terms of deep ball accuracy, being able to, you know, scramble and make plays with his feet. He has all that. It's just there is a lot of uncertainty with not seeing him play this season. And I think Georgia would have been good for a lot of different reasons. You know, one, you get another year of film on him, but also you get to see him play against SEC defenses. Yeah, no doubt about that. But uh, Newman, you know, I I broke down kind of his stats, high interception percentage, low completion percentage. Uh, I mentioned the high yards per attempt, which I like, but um, just some of those things that that give me a little bit of pause with Newman, but certainly an intriguing prospect with some of his skill sets, no doubt. Yeah, you know, so then my question would be, where would you be comfortable taking him? A guy like that. What what round would be the earliest you would consider taking him? I would say third round. Third round. Okay, yeah. I mean, yeah, I'd probably say that too. I don't, he's obviously not going to go in the first round. I don't think you can possibly justify that. Um, I don't, I think second round, I guess it depends on what kind of team you are, like where you are. Um, but you don't, you really have to trust your coaches. And then also, you're just trusting this guy, trusting this guy that you haven't seen a lot of. And so we don't really know, again, the bigger the sample size, the easier it is to really get an idea of where this guy is. And I think we didn't really get to see him uh, a lot of that throughout his career. So I think that we've seen the flashes, but yeah, that, that's just, that's a really interesting one. I think probably day two, possibly late day three, depending. I think he probably has more riding on the pre-draft process than most other guys, just because of the uncertainty. Yeah. 
definitely agree with that. Yeah. And plus with quarterback, it's so much just about the team fit, obviously. Like we saw guys like Jake Fromm who maybe could have been picked in the second day, but end up falling to the third day. So um, that's just usually how it goes with quarterbacks like there, but yeah, I would say soonest for Newman, I would probably go about third round and um, yeah, kind of while we're on the topic of, of some of the other quarterbacks, I almost had considered picking Kellen Mond for the quarterback I wanted to talk about. I, I like Kellen Mond's film, but there's just a lot of things that I'm concerned about. Low completion percentage, high interception percentage, low touchdown percentage. So uh, just some things there is like, uh, I don't know if I can get over that with Kellen Mond, even though I do think he offers some good skill sets. So the quarterback I want to talk about is Brady White of Memphis. So Brady White initially went to Arizona State, then transferred over to Memphis. And uh, wow, Memphis offense, a very fun one to watch. Obviously not a power five school but in the american conference they're a very explosive offense they just have a ton of skill players that they've been shelling in the nfl recent years darrell henderson and antonio gibson have been notable guys and then this year they have demonte coxie uh calvin austin another receiver that's been pretty good anthony miller another one for the bears that came out of memphis in recent years so memphis just really just surrounds their entire offense with skill guys and i think brady white did a nice job at, at distributing the ball to them very productive player at Memphis, 84 career touchdowns um, in college. So I definitely like that. Not as mobile of a player. I definitely will, will note that when it comes to Brady White. But uh, in terms of being a drop back passer, I think he has some decent ability. High yards per attempt, 8.7. So um, I like seeing that from, from Brady White. So definitely just think he offers a, an interesting skill set, but probably a player I wouldn't pick until day three of the draft. Yeah, I agree a lot with what you're saying. You know, I think one of the things that you also have to talk about is, you know, talk about his transferring and all that. He'll be 25 by the time next season starts. And for a rookie quarterback, I mean, that's... And so the, the question would be then, how much do you think he improves? And, you know, even from his junior year to his season to his senior season at Memphis, I didn't really see too much improvement from him. And that would probably be my issue. I think he's fine. I think, I mean, he had some pretty good film, but, you know, for you to get, for a team to take you anything higher than like fifth round, if you're going to be 25 by the time your rookie year comes around, you really have to show something special and everything with him. It's kind of like, you know, he's not a great athlete. His arm's fine, but it's not great. Uh, you know, I think he does have a little bit more of a risk averse style, which has helped, you know, he turnovers whenever too much of a problem, three to one touchdown interception ratio, both of his last two seasons there. But yeah, that's, that's a guy who I don't really know if you can look at him and have him as anything more than a backup at the next level. Yeah, I agree with that analysis. I'm glad you brought up the age part of it as well. I remember that was big with Brandon Whedon when he was coming out of Oklahoma State. He was like 27. Yeah, he was like a 28-year-old rookie because he played minor league baseball for some time before going to Oklahoma State. So definitely agree with that point. Yeah, I mean, I think fortunately there's not – I don't think there's a Browns team looking for a quarterback that is going to make that mistake. But I don't have anything against him. I just think, you know, if you're going to be that much older – you know, you were going to have to really show something. And I think he he was definitely a good college quarterback. But – yeah, I think I think probably day three is when he goes for sure. Yeah, I agree with that. Well, I mean, that was awesome. Great to break down the quarterback position there. Evan, I have one more question before you before we end our podcast. I want each of us to talk about one prospect at another position that we are higher on than maybe the other consensus um, that we've heard when talking with other people about some draft, draft prospects. Okay, so other other position guys that I'm higher on. So so right now, I don't know, this might change a little bit. I've been moving back and forth. I really like Rondell Moore from Purdue. Uh, and the thing is, I like about him, uh, all the athletic tools, he was incredible as a true freshman. And then injury concerns, he uh, he opted out of his junior season and came back, didn't play that much. And so we haven't seen as much from him the last couple of years, but that ability is certainly there. I just don't know if he was properly utilized the final couple of years at Purdue. 
So I really like him. He uh, had an incredible spark score. I think he had the highest spark score in the country for his high school class uh, before he went to Purdue. Very high recruit. And the ability to make guys miss after the catch, the speed, the agility, and his play strength for, you know, he's a very small player, but his play strength is ridiculous. You know, when you watch him, he doesn't look like a 5'9", you know, one, what is he, 185 guy? Yeah, 180. Yeah, he's not, you know, he's not big, but he doesn't play like that. Now, the only thing, and this is probably the, the thing that holds him back a little bit, he does have a little bit more of a limited route tree. Mm-hmm. Um, and so he does really run most of the short routes, doesn't go, you know, and that's probably how you maximize a great athlete like that is when you're able to get the big plays. So he's probably, that would be what holds him back. But I really like him. I, I'd have a first round grade on him right now. Yeah, I'm really glad to hear you mention that with Moore because, man, you go back and watch Rondale Moore's freshman tape, and this guy is flying around the field. That Ohio State game when Purdue upset Ohio State, uh, Moore's freshman year, just a ridiculous performance from him. Moore, I mean, how Purdue used him is they just absolutely force-fed him the ball. I mean, he had almost nine receptions per game in his college career. So that's just ridiculous. Like Purdue is just getting him the football in any way that they possibly can. And um, yeah, you mentioned his size, but there's videos of Rondé Moore squatting 600 pounds. Like this guy is built. Like he is so physical, so tough to bring down, incredibly elusive and so fast as well. Just always that explosive play waiting to happen with his ability to break tackles. So I love that you mentioned Moore. Definitely a player I'm high on as well. So who I, I like that analysis too. So who's your guy? Who's your guy? Do you have any? So actually, yes, I was doing a good amount of research on the cornerback class this year. And I was watching some Patrick Sertan, some Caleb Farley, JC Horn, all players that I like. And definitely you'll see them in a lot of mock drafts go very high, but I didn't see a shutdown corner or a corner that I would be willing to take in the top five or top 10 with any of those three players actually. But the one corner, as I was doing more research on that I fell in love with is Israel Mokwamu, South Carolina's other corner so he's playing alongside jc horn but mukwamu stands six foot four 205 so incredible size you rarely see corners that are six four and he has incredible ability to force turnovers the game that really stands out for me is last year against georgia mukwamu picked off jake Fromm three times in that game including a pick six really was the driving force behind that upset win that south carolina had and over the course of his career he's had seven touchdowns and a force fumble, or seven interceptions excuse me and a force fumble so that is my favorite ability for a cornerback is the ability to force turnovers i think all cornerbacks they give up plays from time to time it happens it's very difficult when you just think about the position to mirror the route of another human being so if you're able to force turnovers that is my favorite trait when it comes to cornerbacks and um, there's just a lot that i like with mukwamu i think he has good speed and the size that i mentioned and the ability to force turnovers are all things that I really like with Mukwamu as a prospect. Yeah. I mean, you, you really bring up because the quarter, the cornerback class for this year is a very interesting one. I think last year we kind of knew, okay, Akuda's the number one guy. He'll, he'll go top five. And then after that, I felt like there was a pretty good order in place. I think right now, everything seems a little bit more jumbled together. Uh, and then looking at, again, it's really hard to know for the draft class because we don't have, we do see a lot of guys who are ranked closely together. I think you, it's hard to know how much is going to change with the pre-draft process with everything still being so different from how it is most years with COVID-19. So, yeah, I mean, that's one that I'm really excited to talk about too. So next time we're going to be doing what, running back class? Yeah, let's do it. I think, okay, I think that's what we're going to be doing then. So, yeah, th- thanks for listening. <laughs> yeah, thanks, everybody. Really appreciate it. And, uh, yeah, we'll talk to you guys again soon.